Hi there, welcome back once again to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you live from the mobile studio deep in the heart of North Yorkshire, England, on a very cold, wet January day. Yes, indeed. Winter is dragging on. (laughs) It seems never-ending. We've not had the snow they promised us overnight, but it's still blooming freezing out there and very wet and drizzly and miserable. Uh, if it gets cold again tonight, then I dare say it's going to freeze, and tomorrow's drive to work could well be a, like an ice rink out on the road, so I'm not looking forward to that. But uh, trying to lighten the mood of my of my day and talking about some Dexter with you all. Of course, I put out a rally cry before Christmas, or before last season ended, for you guys to nominate your top five moments, your favourite highlights of season six. And I got quite a slew of different nominations. It was fascinating to go through and and see what, what struck a chord with you guys. Obviously, I've got my own favourite moments, but it's interesting what a variety there was. And as we've touched on in the show, we've talked about how we all take different things from the show, what what one person likes, might someone else might have hated and and so on uh so and your nominations from your of your top five moments of the season highlight that really we're of course going to get all going to get into that very shortly firstly a quick plug for my other podcast gareth's waste of time i did do a new episode uh it was uploaded last week uh recorded that over a couple of weeks I, i tend to do my dexter shows over a couple of days i'm Hoping this one isn't going to take more than a day because it's, you know, we've not got a new episode to go through. Um, but I did do a new Garris Waste of Time. It was my first one since September. And it was quite a long podcast, not to put you off, but you know how I get distracted by different topics and kind of get sidetracked and digress, <laughs> digressing Dexter. Uh, and uh, this latest waste of time was no exception. I did have a lot of different TV shows to go through and I touched on quite quite an assortment. I also talked a bit about how my Christmas went. Uh, of course, you guys, if you've heard the, uh, f- the season six feedback extravaganza, you'll already know about how my Christmas went. Uh, I also talked a bit about my <laughs> my car breakdown. And uh, <laughs> if you want to know about that and my dice with death, uh, download Gareth's Waste of Time and have a listen to that. I also talk a little bit about Lost and where my feelings are. With that now, we're, what, 18 months on from the uh, the series finale of Lost. Okay, so, Gareth's Waste of Time, then, is available on iTunes. You can also download it via the Rogue 2 podcasting network at rogue2.com if you're not into the whole iTunes thing. And that's fine. <laughs> so, I hope you forgive me that little plug. Let's get into some Dexter now, because that's what we're all here for. Before we go into your top five... Just uh, just a little bit of feedback to go through and some Dexter news regarding Season 7. As the gunshot goes off. Did you hear that? <laughs> I talked about it on the last show, I think. The uh, the pigeon scarer is still in full swing out in the field. Oh, there it goes again. Uh, yeah, firing off every few minutes. You'll probably hear that again before I'm done. Season 7, yeah. Executive producer Manny Koto gave an interview and he said that writing of season seven begins on february the first which isn't far away 
with regular writers Scott Buck, who, of course, is still the showrunner, also Tim Schlappman, Lauren Gussis and Wendy West, among those returning to the writers' room. So, only, what, five, six weeks after the end of... after season six finishes airing and the writers are reconvening to begin work on season seven, so uh, that's encouraging. Also, hot on the heels of Jennifer Carpenter having a guest appearance on The Good Wife, Christian Camargo is also due to appear soon. He's reported to be playing a filmmaker whose documentary on suicide allegedly inspires a young girl to take her own life, and that episode is due to air in March, apparently. Okay, moving on, touching on some feedback I got since I last talked to you. I had an email from Eric Sorrentino who said, Am I the only person that thinks Harry really is Dexter's biological father? Remember it was revealed that Harry knew Dexter's mother. It was also alluded to that Harry may have had relations with her, or others like her. I can't remember if she was an informant or prostitute. Anyway, my point is... Dexter and Deb are more than siblings via adoption. In fact, they are half-siblings, thus biological. Ever notice how Dexter, Deb and Harry all have the same reddish-brown hair? I know that proves nothing, but I've been under the impression for a long time, season two, I believe, that Dexter just may be Harry's biological son. I wouldn't be surprised if this is revealed formally next season. Thanks, Eric. It might have been a possibility. And you're right, Harry... Well, it was revealed in season four that Harry did indeed have, quote, relations with Laura Moser, Dexter's biological mother. So it was plausible that he may have spawned Dexter. Uh, I think I think Harry's encounter, Harry's time of knowing Laura came after Dexter was born. But in regard to your theory, in a recent interview, Manny Koto was talking about the Deb in love with Dexter thing and used the phrase, and I quote, because she is not a biological sibling to Dexter, end quote. So honestly, that pretty much stops the theory in its tracks, but it would have been plausible maybe. Koto actually said of the storyline that in the writer's room, they got inside Deb's head and speculated about her relationships in the past and how she's made some questionable, even dangerous choices. And the notion of her having feelings for Dexter just emerged as a natural progression of that thought process. He also emphasised how this happens in real life, including within the family of one of the writers. In the same interview, Koto also said that they plan to change up the formula of the show and that next season's Big Bad may not take the form that we're used to. He said they always try to come up with new things and even implied Deb could potentially be the big bad, although he acknowledged that the writer's room hasn't reconvened yet, and as we know, it's happening on February the 1st. So, as he puts it, everything is pretty much up in the air at the moment. So, again, they're still defending this storyline, and honestly, I can see where they're coming from, but I've made my own feelings perfectly clear on the podcast, and they really come from... <laughs> My opinions just come from someone who is simply a fan of the show, first and foremost. I just don't like them doing this to characters I care about. Koto acknowledged that, given the way season six ended, it can't not do damage to those feelings that Deb has, so hopefully this will get knocked on the head, but potentially add to the hurt and confusion Deb's bound to feel. Thanks for your email, Eric. Chris in Boston emailed in to say... 
Hey Gareth, first off, great show. I know I'm more than a little late to the party, but after re-watching the season 6 finale, I went back to re-watch the entire series. After getting halfway through season 1, I came across a clip in one of the episodes where Deb kills Dexter in one of Dexter's nightmarish fantasies. My theory is that Deb herself is a great serial killer that will be revealed this season. While this may or may not be a crazy idea, I believe that the scene portrayed in season one of Deb murdering Dexter will be featured in a deja vu type of scenario where it will be uncovered to Dexter that Deb is in fact herself a serial killer with him plastic wrapped to a table in Deb's kill room. Since nobody knows for sure if Trinity was the man who actually murdered Rita, I believe that if the writers can do something surprisingly creative implicating Deb in her murder, then they could restore some kind of suspense and shock to a show that hooked me with shocks such as Brian Moser as a serial killer slash brother to Dex and the infamous bloody bath scene that will forever be the show's greatest point. Thanks, Chris. I remember the moment you're talking about very well, but that's an interesting theory you take from it, not one I've considered... (laughs) That is pretty extreme to suggest Deb might have murdered Rita. Crikey, can you imagine? I can't see it myself, but the show does love to shock us and pull surprises. Not all of them coming off so well, of course, but they do love to spring surprises. The discovery of Rita's body remains the biggest shock of the series for me, and maybe one of the biggest shocks in a TV show or film that I've ever experienced. And I would love them to do something as impactful in the future. Although to outdo Rita, it'd have to involve Deb or Harrison. And as someone who cares for these characters, I'd not want anything bad to happen to either of them. But that said, that would only make something like that all the more horrifying to me. So maybe that would be a good thing. All right, now, in the feedback podcast I did a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that we had two voicemails from Ian in Bristol one of them referring specifically to the finale and a second one referring to the season in general and talking about his season highlights. And I'm going to play that now for you. Here we go. Hi, this is Ian from Bristol. Um, just feeding back comments for the whole of Series 6 and um, for your Roundup podcast. Um, overall, I thought this season was great. Definitely one of the better ones, um, even before the big reveal at the end. Um, I think the overall pacing and writing of the season has been much improved uh, especially when I compare it to last season, season five, which was really just, just poor in places. Um, I like the idea of the DDK killers, um, and the almost weekly tableau has been good and provided plenty of kind of what-the-fuck moments. Um, I like the characters of Geller and Travis. I think they worked well together, and even though the Geller twist was signposted from episode one for me, it was still good uh, from playing the is-he-or-isn't-he game every week. Um, I like that every character has something to do and help the story along. Um, So Angel and Quinn has been an interesting ride this season. And for the first time in a few years, LaGuerta has been given something interesting to do. Um, Masuka has not really had any major storylines, but he's been able to introduce Lewis to the storyline. I think Lewis is much more interesting. He's got to be important for Series 7. It was a welcome return for Brian Moser. Um, and I think a single standalone episode for him was probably about right. I think any more than one episode, and I think it would have um, got a little bit too tiring, a little bit too boring. There's only so much you can do with him. Um, but it was fun whilst it lasted. Um, and finally, I really liked the big reveal at the end. Um, we've been expecting Debs to find out about Dexter, and now she finally has, um, as Debs would say, footballs. Um, so the highlights for me this season have been, in top-of-the-pop style, uh, in at number 10, 
Dexter not kissing Debs. It was such a relief when, when that was a dream. Um, I can't tell you how relieved I was. Um, in at number nine, Angel Smoke in the Bandit Trans Am. What a super piece of 70s American uh, automobile there. I love it. Uh, number eight, the two fairy serial killer. What a creepy character he was. This episode was um, was far too short for my liking. I'd like to have seen that character spread over two or three. He was so creepy. Um, number seven, uh, Dexter getting the blowjob at the high school reunion. Uh, I think that was very funny. Um, watching Dexter's face, it just doesn't happen to Dexter, that kind of thing. I thought it was very funny. Um, in the number six, the Angel of Death tableau. That was just really weird. The angel wings and the, the way the, the, the woman was, was kind of eviscerated, if that's the right word. Very odd, very creepy. Uh, number five on my list of things that I liked, Brian Moser returning. Um, that was such a surprise. It was totally left field. I didn't see that one coming at all. And it was a real kind of, wow, can't wait for the next episode. Uh, number four, uh, Debs on being told she was promoted. Um, it has to be Debs' best quote of any of the seasons. Fuck balls, you're serious. Uh, in at number three, um, I love the reference to season four in the episode Nebraska when um, Dexter um, sees Arthur Mitchell's son. He says, hello, Dexter Morgan. Uh, a cheap but uh, perfect reminder of season four. Um, in at number two, um, the reveal that Lewis had got the ice truck killer's hand. That came totally from nowhere for me as well. I never suspected that. Um, and that was a real kind of can't wait for the next episode. It didn't really come to very much, but I think it's going to be important for series seven. Uh, finally, the most, the, kind of the best bit of the whole series for me was Debs on seeing Dexter. Um, I can't have been the only one shouting at the screen saying, no, no, don't look, don't look. Um, but there we go. Um, so there have been some, some really good bits of the season. There's been a few bits of the season which have been a bit poor as well, annoyed a little. Um, I'd like to have seen Della and Travis and Harry and Dexter have some kind of confrontation. It's been great to have seen them on the sky, skyscraper in the last episode, kind of having a, a, a kind of big confrontation, discussion, argument, whatever you want to call it. There could be some really good lines in there, uh, and I feel like we missed an opportunity there. Um, I also think that um, Geller, once Geller died, um, it kind of left Travis on his own a little bit, um, and it kind of, Travis wasn't a strong enough um, bad person, I think. He wasn't a bad enough creepy killer, um, and once Geller disappeared, he kind of left really not much to do. Um, so I thought that was not particularly good. Um, I think that at times the plot has been a little bit messy, a little bit contrived. Um, there's been too many mistakes and kind of lucky circumstances. I understand that has to happen sometimes for the kind of story to go forwards, but it, it, it kind of just left it a bit messy in places. So on to comparing the various seasons. Um, I should put the caveat here that all seasons of Dexter are brilliant, so uh, even the season I rank as the worst, it's still better than most of on TV, so uh, I'll watch it again at some point in the future. So um, my favourite season has got to be season four. Um, I can't believe that anything will ever top Arthur Mitchell walking into Miami Metro and saying, hello, Dexter Morgan. That was kind of the whoop-out-loud kind of moment of Dexter for me. Um, Thanks for that, Ian. You got obviously cut off there as you were starting to compare the seasons. You didn't call back, so I'm not sure whether maybe you didn't realise that you got cut off. Unfortunately, the voicemail line does have a five-minute limit on it. So uh, apologies, apologies for that. You give a very good overview and summary of the season in general. And you mentioned that you enjoyed the Brian return, but mentioned that you felt one episode was appropriate. And in the scheme of things, I think you were right. I think you're right. Probably any more than that. 
I don't know, you know. I was really excited when we saw Brian there on the beach at the end of the previous episode to Nebraska. Just let go, wasn't it? That was the name of the episode. But to comment further on what I thought about that whole thing would be to maybe spoil some of my comments I might have a bit later on in the episode. But no spoilers there. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll revisit that topic a little bit later. And you suggest that you'd have found interesting if the climactic scene on top of the building, on top of the rooftop between Travis and Dexter, that that would have been interesting if it had ended up as a four-way confrontation between Dexter and Travis and their respective, not dark passengers as such, but Geller and Harry, and that they could have had a kind of four-way face-off. That would have been an interesting conversation. Can you? What sort of conversation would Geller have had with Harry? <laughs> yeah, I can only, <laughs> I can only wonder. <laughs> but I think, yeah, they might have had some fun with that. But under the circumstances, it was a pretty dark scenario. So, oh, who knows? <laughs> who knows how that would have turned out? Thanks, Ian. Look forward to hearing from you again. Maybe, if not in the season two rewatches, then in season seven. Next, we've got an email from Mike Lanich, which, uh, and I have to apologise to Mike because he did send this prior to the uh, season six finale, and I did overlook it, did miss it when um, I was putting together the feedback episode. Mike emailed in with um, some thoughts about an alternative, an alternative path for season six, and uh, he he's obviously put a lot of thought into this. So I'll I'll read it out to you guys, and and you can see what you think. Mike writes, I've always thought that Dexter should have to come full circle as it nears its end. As a writer or showrunner there, I would always have multiple irons in the fire and in doing so I would be thinking ahead to at least the next season and setting things up. So with that, I need to first quickly go back to season 5. Season 5 plays out just as it did, except we get introduced to Ryan and Lewis early in the season. She steals the ice truck killer hand, sells it and gets fired. Lewis gets hired and helps out here and there, but the show never really singles him out or pays much attention to him. We don't know he has the hand, and he doesn't call attention to himself. Instead, he helps at crime scenes, etc. At the end of the season, Dexter gets the hand in the mail late at night after Harrison's birthday, and the scene shifts to the very early morning light, with a body frozen, diced, and assembled according to the ice truck killer's M.O., this is suspenseful because we haven't seen the hand all season. Season 6 then opens with Dexter and Deb at the Catholic preschool. He's still stunned by the hand but he's trying to focus on Harrison's future and what he wants to pass on to him or teach him. A continuation of his thoughts in season 5. But he and Deb get a call. There's a body. Dexter drops Harrison off to Batista's sister and heads to the crime scene where we see a reaction much like the one he had in season 1 because it's the frozen, diced body from the season 5 finale. Suddenly, we get two things. One is that we have no idea who the killer is and why they're copying the Ice Truck Killer MO, and we get Dexter forced to confront his past and Brian with it. Also, this makes the idea of what to pass on to Harrison more impactful because of their combined history. Dexter follows brother Sam, thinking to kill him, only to see that religion has changed him. While Dexter follows the copycat Ice Truck Killer and tries to find out who it is, he becomes friends with brother Sam and they talk about religion, passing on good things to Harrison and Dexter's darkness, which Brother Sam can see. In this way, Dexter confronts the idea of religion as a side plot rather than the main crux of the season. 
For that, we don't get bashed repeatedly in the head from all sides like this season. It's a more subtle and nuanced approach, yet still impactful. The ice truck killer Copycat kills both LaGuerta and Quinn, and Dexter eventually confides in Masuka that someone sent him the ice truck killer hand that said, sorry, I don't need it anymore. It's then that he learns from an ashamed Masuka that Ryan Chambers stole the hand and sold it online. Deb gets promoted to lieutenant, struggles and talks to a therapist to sort herself out due to the case and its history. Along with Dexter, she's forced to confront some painful repressed memories and terrible events while sifting through the ice truck killer files in the hope of finding some clue to tracking them down. It's while sorting through these files that some things about Dexter, Brian, etc. and other details don't add up. After much of the season spent tracking down leads, reading files, etc., Deb's brilliant mind starts putting pieces together. After noticing some small discrepancies that are so much more, Deb comes for, to a horrifying theory. Meanwhile, Dexter is in a kill room dispatching Ryan Chambers, who all signs point to as the killer. Instead, we finally learn it's Lewis who is the copycat killer and who leaves yet another clue at Dexter's apartment signifying that he's still out there and Ryan was a red herring. Roll credits and we see the final season playing out as Lewis comes out of the shadows to take on Dexter who killed his mentor idol Brian Moser. We get backstory a great baddie to end the show and someone who is an actual match to Dexter as a killer. I just think that sounds like a much better season six than the one we got. We get some hardcore references to season one LaGuerta and Quinn die, which adds suspense and real possibilities of death to all cast members and a real return to form. Also, how long has it been since we, the audience, were as mystified as to who the killer is during a season as much as Dexter? Not since season three, at least. We always know who the killer is these days from the get-go. We want to be surprised, too. Too much blatant foreshadowing. Wow, Mike, you put a lot of thought into that. Good work, my friend, and thank you very much for sending that in. You know... You've got you've got some good theories there and some good ideas. You ever thought of being a writer? <laughs> maybe maybe email that to um, Robert Lewis. He's on Twitter. <laughs> so yeah, some very nice thoughts about a, an alternative season six there, and I like the way you tie in a lot of stuff from previous seasons, and it's all very plausible. I like it. I mean, I, because this is obviously a a bit of a tribute to season six and going over our top five moments i don't really want to spend uh, too much time sort of dissecting what you've put but i'm sure the listeners will appreciate and um enjoy your alternative ideas for season six and i don't know my first reaction really is that this might have played out arguably better than (laughs) than what we actually got uh, so thanks again Mike great work okay so as I say I, I did have some feedback and comments left to uh, include in the podcast so um, there they were if you want to email in you're obviously very welcome it's dissectingdexter at gmail.com we've also got the listener lines which will persist through the hiatus in the US the number is 646 6122 and in the UK, it's 0844-579-6949. And you enter mailbox ID 08320 when the voice prompts you. But that's only on the UK line. There's also Twitter, at Dissect Dexter, or my personal Twitter, which is at Gareth underscore UK. 
And there's the Facebook page. Hop onto Facebook, search for Dissecting Dexter, and you'll find it. Like the page, tell your friends, post comments, theories, questions, whatever you like. Join in. <laughs> there, I, actually, I just give a little shout out to uh, some of the regular contributors on there. There are a few. Uh, there's a small core of, of regular visitors and, and posters to the page. Uh, so thank you to those who um, keep the page going. Appreciated. And thanks indeed to everyone who has sent in contributions, theories, comments, questions, thoughts, rants, complaints, <laughs> uh, compliments, support throughout season six. It keeps the show going. You know who you are. Everybody, thanks very much. And uh, I hope you'll stick with me through the rewatch of season two, which is going to continue. And I'll mention the rewatch again later in the show. But now, the main event, what we're all here for today. The top five highlights from Dexter season six. As voted for by you, the listeners of the Dissecting Dexter podcast. Yes, indeed. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter, the home of recycled voiceovers. <laughs> here we go, then. Your countdown as nominated by you, the discerning listeners of Dissecting Dexter and viewers of the Showtime series Dexter. This is your top five best moments from season six. Actually, it's quite telling, I think, that I had no less than 26 different moments or scenes nominated from this season. Just incredible, an incredible assortment and moments that, that I'd forgotten about, honestly. I mean, as I say, we all, different things appeal to different people and... I think the fact that we've had so many different nominations is maybe an indictment of how season six was all over the place and there weren't the same universally appreciated quality standout moments. Obviously off the top of your head you can think of two or three straight off the bat but comparing with season five for example I'm sure I maybe had no more than a dozen different nominations. I think there was a more general consensus of what were the high points of the season. But season six? Well, not so. <laughs> but let's not dwell on all that too much. We're here to celebrate the high points of the season. So without further ado. Number five. I, I took teeth. You take blood. You're the same kind of sick fuck, aren't you? At least I'm never going to end up like you. Oh, yeah? When you can't do this anymore, what do you have then? More? You're kidding yourself, asshole. All I ever cared about was killing. And I can't even do that right anymore. That's what you've got to look forward to. This is your future, and it includes adult fucking diapers. You are not my future. I will not spend my final days getting drunk and staring at a box of trophies. Keep telling yourself that. Make sure they know who I am. I wish I could see the look on my son's face when he finds out. He won't be able to ignore that. I never want my son to know who I was. You said you didn't have a kid. I also said my name was Dan. <laughs> yes, it's episode three, Smokey and the Bandit, in which we saw a return to the tradition of the kill of the week with Dexter hunting down the tooth fairy. 
played brilliantly, I thought, by guest star Ronnie Cox, who I remember very well from the first Robocop film. And it was interesting, this nomination, because you could argue that maybe the nomination refers to the <clears throat> not so much the episode as a whole, but certainly the Kill of the Week plotline, the Tooth Fairy story that week. Uh, and um, But this is an interesting nomination, because you could argue that maybe it refers not so much to the episode as a whole, although it was a decent episode, but more specifically to the, the Kill of the Week storyline, that of the Tooth Fairy although some of the nominations I received did specifically mention the kill scene, which I don't think anyone would argue was certainly the highlight of the episode. So let's call this, at number five, the Tooth Fairy kill scene. Dave Noble said this is possibly one of the highlights of the whole season for me, personally. This arguably provided some of the best character development for Dexter, and it was development that non-serial killer viewers could relate to. Dexter gets to meet one of his childhood idols, and his illusions about that idol are quickly shattered, and that leads to Dexter to question his own path in life, and wonder about how he will end up, and be remembered, and what his legacy, especially to Harrison, will be. Jason Allison said, I quite enjoyed the Tooth Fairy story, even if it had shades of Trinity. Ronnie Cox was hilarious. If I had to pick a clip to play, it would be when Dexter first meets him and they're driving together in the golf cart and he asks Dexter, So, what is a young guy like you doing around Coral Island? Or do you get off hanging around corpses? Ian from Bristol particularly enjoyed the Tooth Fairy, describing him as a, a very creepy character. While Jessica Bronson said, Dexter realising what his future could potentially turn out to be as a retired serial killer via the Tooth Fairy, Dexter sees how pathetic and lonely Walter is and how he's alienated from his son. Just before Dexter goes to give the death blow, Walter says something about how he wants his son to know the truth about who he is. I think in this moment, Dexter has a flash forward to how it would be for Harrison to find out what kind of a person Dexter really is. I also think this encounter is the reason that Dexter allows Jonah Mitchell to live in a future episode. And indeed, for me, I felt it was... A classic Dexter episode in many ways. The kill of the week, Dexter in jeopardy, however brief. He saw this flash of a possible future for him, estranged from his son, living out a miserable and lonely existence, but still having to kill. By smothering Walter, I thought Dexter denied him the infamy of being caught and brought to justice. He'd end up just another sad old man dying alone in his apartment. And Dexter acknowledged in this episode that we get older, as or rather as we get older, we increasingly need life to have some kind of meaning, and he again wondered what he had to pass on to his son. It's something that drove him through the rest of the season and definitely deserves its place in the season's top five. Number four. to play. Why the long face? Brother Sam had hoped I'd be able to forgive Nick for shooting him. Because you don't turn the other cheek, you slice it. Brother Sam doesn't know you like Brother Brian does. I don't know for sure that he's guilty. Not this again. Harry's code. Tell me why it matters if a person is good or bad. Does it make you feel better to kill bad people? 
part of the ritual. You don't need a justification to kill. The code is more than that. It's kept me from getting caught. This is the wishy-washy part of you I can't stand. Uh-oh. Bugganese mad. Yes, the return, albeit brief, of Brian Moser. I, for one, had no idea this was coming. So when the camera panned round and we saw Christian Camargo standing there, I leapt out of my seat. <laughs> a, a great surprise. It had been spoiled online, but I'd managed to avoid it. I had no idea, and uh, I hope most of you guys had no idea either and enjoyed the surprise as much as I did. For me, definitely a highlight of the season, and led on to what I thought was one of the best episodes of the season, if not the best that being Nebraska, although, of course, it was an episode that was quite divisive amongst viewers. Now, of the people who nominated, quote, The Return of Brian, it wasn't always specified whether it refers simply to the surprise at the end of the Just Let Go episode when we saw Brian on the beach, or whether it referred to the antics between Dexter and Brian in the Nebraska episode. So I kind of leave that fairly ambiguous. <laughs> Mike Herkham said, uh, picked out, uh, or rather specifically mentioned the great moments between them both, which we never got to see in season one. Ian from Bristol said he enjoyed this return, saying it was completely out of left field. And it really was. We've, up until now, only ever seen Harry appear to Dexter as his sort of Jiminy Cricket manifestation, shall we say. Some viewers definitely argued that the whole reappearance thing was purely fan service, just to sort of maybe bring some of the long-term viewers fully back on board. But I don't know. I enjoyed it personally. Michael C. Hall and Christian Camargo always had a nice bit of chemistry together, and it was great to revisit that. The, the writers did warn us that this season would would bring back some of the... What's the right way to put it? I can't remember how they worded it exactly. Some of the flavours or some of the feel of season one. Maybe a, a tribute in some way back to season one. And this was quite clearly one of those, a blatant one. And I guess it kind of fitted in many ways. In what happened to trigger the return of Brian in Dexter's head the killing of Nick. Dexter was so close to finding some light, forgiving Nick, and of course that all went down the Swanee River. Uh, but just as it seemed the darkness had engulfed Dexter and he was maybe going to go on some sort of killing spree in the Nebraska episode, we saw quite a bit of darkness from him. But Dexter quickly turned it around, and it was nearly killing Jonah that did it. Jonah expressed remorse, and Dexter realised that Jonah killed his mother because she drove his sister to suicide. I mean, let's face it, they were all screwed up by the years of physical and mental abuse inflicted on them by Arthur Mitchell. They must have all been suffering post-traumatic stress. It was tragic, and Dexter realised this, and perhaps drew a parallel to the origin of his own darkness, coming from a different tragedy, of course. And it was nice to see Dexter outright rejecting this darkness, this manifestation of the true dark passenger... And I really felt that that was quite a step on Dexter's forward journey, his onward journey. Number three. Turn yourself into the police. 
They'll find you anyway. Well, they won't. The only witness is dead. There ain't nothing on that disc. It's my word against yours. <laughs> They got no proof. <laughs> Nobody can do anything. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. <laughs> I can't believe this worked out, man. <laughs> from the episode Just Let Go. It's the killing of Nick. The potential forgiveness of, and the killing of. And it was a great moment. It's amazing that Dexter, for a while there, was seemingly ready to forgive Nick. He gave him a fair chance to express remorse and regret. But the writers really forced the point that Nick was beyond forgiveness, beyond redemption. If they wanted us to hate him, they did a good job. When Dexter eventually turned on him, I found myself glad. Nick had to go, but at the same time, it was a shame that he was that close to making a massive step forward in his spiritual journey, and it all unravelled in that instant. And of course, it went beyond that. As the moment seemed to tear down some wall within him, and his darkness engulfed him for the best part of an episode. As I mentioned in the previous, in the number four nomination, <laughs> about the return of Brian. Dave Noble said, This was one of the few moments of the season where we saw Dexter really struggling with himself and his dark passenger. I would argue that it was also the scene that provided the most religious imagery. Dexter struggling with the ideals of forgiveness and redemption, ending with the dark and twisted irony of Nick being drowned in the same waters that he was baptised in. Jason Allison said, when Dexter takes Nick to the beach, Brother Sam had him baptised. As Nick was talking and showing himself to be more and more of a prick, I just wanted Dexter to kill him, and he did. I thought the tensions during this scene were great. When Dexter turned around to the clapping of Brian, my jaw dropped. Jessica Bronson said, Hearing the confession from Brother Sam's murderer and the tackling and subsequent drowning and killing of Nick out of pure rage, not to mention the return of Dexter's dark passenger, the dark passenger, of course, being his brother Brian, the ice truck killer from season one. This, to me, signified the light that Dexter may have gotten from brother Sam being snuffed out and his world returning to the darkness he's so used to. And Mike Herkham said, I enjoyed seeing Dexter try to forgive as brother Sam asked of him, but ultimately fail and commit his act of revenge. It would have been hard for anyone to forgive watching how that scene played out. As you see from some of the comments there, you can say that out of the top five, three and four can perhaps overlap with each other. But I think with the subsequent episode, Nebraska and, and the antics with Brian, I think the, the two kind of deserve their separate places. 
and they were singled out separately in many of your votes. But I would agree with you guys. The killing of Nick was definitely a highlight of the season. Number two. At number two, it's a moment that confirmed our suspicions that someone who, throughout much of the season, or certainly throughout his appearance in the show to date, our suspicions that he might not be all that he seems. Uh, wow. People love their games. <laughs> There's a lot of money in it. Yeah, I guess. You have quite the collection of collections. Yeah, I don't I don't let a lot of people in here. It's kind of obvious I'm overcompensating for something. Oh, I've been known to collect. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I went through an 80s phase in high school. I had a zillion of those black rubber bracelets. Wore them like body armor. So? So weird, I understand. Why did you blow me off? I'm talking about Lewis, of course, and the revelation that he was the one who had bought the ice truck killer's hand from Ryan Chambers on the online auction. Up until then, he'd been depicted as a pretty clever computer geek, very capable with a computer keyboard. He'd also been showing an interest in Dexter's abilities, and we knew he'd been developing a video game set around the Miami homicide department. So we'd had our suspicions. We felt that all these things, they had to add up to something more than just just a bit part, someone to play a very minor and insignificant role in the season. He had to be more than that. And this moment confirmed that. Travis Shefflin said, Unfortunately for the series, it was only at that point I began to really get interested in some character development this season. Ian from Bristol said that the reveal of Lewis having the hand came out of nowhere. And pretty much it did. It was a bit of a surprise. And for me, it was at that moment, as we saw in the background, Lewis was doing the dirty deed with Batista's sister. It was at that moment that I started to fear for her surviving the season. <laughs> of course she did, but we saw in a later episode that perhaps Lewis's priorities, that perhaps Jamie wasn't at the top of Lewis's priorities, that his video game and, and approval from Dexter were more important to him, remembering the strop that he threw when Dexter pulled scorn upon a video game where you can portray a serial killer. But for me, this was definitely one of the high points of the season. It really encouraged me that the writers were clearly building up this character. And I've described it before as a slow burn of a character, someone who seemed very insignificant. Suddenly, having almost flown under the radar, suddenly having potentially this big part to play in a season where we also saw the return, albeit for an episode and a bit, of Brian Moser. We still don't understand what Lewis's long-term motivation, what his long-term agenda is going to be, and why he's mailed Dexter the hand at the end of the season. And that's something for us to speculate about, and I'm sure we'll discuss it again before season seven begins. But this was a turning point for the character, and again, I think it definitely deserves its place in the top five moments of the season. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. 
Maybe everything is exactly as it should be. you guess it wasn't hard to guess was it <laughs> and once again two seasons running your number one vote for the top moment of the season was again one involving deb and dexter it was a moment that we'd been anticipating since the show's beginning since the very first episode we were speculating about when deb might eventually find out that her brother's a killer never mind a serial killer of course, she still doesn't know that Dex is a serial killer. She doesn't know the full extent of his crimes. But that veil, <laughs> that veil of secrecy and concealment that Dexter had been trying to maintain all these years has finally dropped. She's seen him make a ritualistic kill. And that's not going to be easy to gloss over. Jason Allison called it a defining moment. Mike Herkham said, It's something we've all been waiting for and curious to see. Whether we expected it or wanted it this early or not, it's happened, it will shape the next two seasons, and it was tense and hard to believe whilst watching. As I've said before, it's not something I expected to happen this early. And it really is a game-changer, a complete game-changer. It's, it's made me... Well, it's, it's thrown all the cards up in the air, really. <laughs> Who knows where the show's going to go from here? As I said at the beginning of the podcast, quoting producer Manny Koto he was talking about the formula of the show changing and I welcome that and really although I didn't anticipate them pulling the trigger on this discovery so soon I welcome it I think the show needs a big shake-up and this could well be it <laughs> Jessica Bronson said this has been six years in the making and it finally happened finally Although I, just, although I just admit I did not think it would go down this way. But nonetheless, it happened. The expression of fear and confusion on Deb's face was fantastic. And the words that Dexter uttered before the screen rolled credits. Awesome. Oh God, that pretty much sums it up. For me, personally, I thought, I thought the eventual discovery by Deb would be more of a slow build. They've been planting some seeds already and I expected that to continue over the next season or so. But I guess it could have gone either way. They could have had the slow build or the Big Bang approach and, and that's the way they went, just out of left field and wallop. She's seen him. <laughs> so, yeah, I share you guys' anticipation and sense of excitement for next season as to where they're going to go from here. I can't wait. This is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. It doesn't matter what I do. Born in blood. Both of us. And that's it. Your top five moments of the season. Some maybe not altogether surprising entries in there. And it's probably no surprise if I tell you that the number one spot of Deb's discovery, it was, it was obviously a runaway winner. But before I move to close out the show, Jessica Bronson, in addition to her nominations and comments that I've been quoting from, she also sent in a, a rather fun <laughs> uh, extra top five for the season. She calls it Deb's top F-bombs of the season, in no particular order. 
Home sweet home. Don't answer that, Dexter. Jamie, what's wrong? Where in fucktopia are you? Deb, hi. First of all, fuck you. And second of all, that would be the immaculate fucking conception since I haven't been with anyone since Quinn. And lastly, fuck you. Harry was one of the good ones. And so are you. Thank you, sir. It means a lot. It's why I'm making you Homicide's new lieutenant. <laughs> Me. Right. Lieutenant. <laughs> Fuck balls. You're serious. Um, sir. Yeah, yeah. I'm a hero. Fuck you very much. You've totally gone viral, Morgan. You're an internet sensation. Holy Frankenfuck snakes! You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Is that serious shit? <laughs> okay, so thanks very much, every... Sorry? My top five? You want to know what my nominations would have been? Oh, all right then. <laughs> okay, my number five spot was Deb telling the psychiatrist the story about how she grew up with Dexter and she related a little story about creeping into Dexter's room when he was sleeping and just sleeping on the floor at the foot of his bed because it comforted her to be close to him and he never knew that she was there. It was in the episode Ricochet Rabbit and I thought, well, as I've said, the deconstruction of Deb's character this season was one of the highlights for me and I had to pick out one suitable moment from that story arc uh, to put into my top five. I obviously wasn't going to include the revelation that she's Oh, God, in love with him. Ugh. So, uh, <laughs> but it was that story, that scene that I found very emotional, very uh, very moving and touching. And a nice, nice little bit of insight into Deb's history and her, her sense of sisterly affection towards Dexter, which kind of makes me more pissed off that they went and turned that on its head and had her admit that she's in love with him later in the season. Oh, dearie me. Okay, so that's my number five. Number four, I kind of blended into two, but it was um, it was the moment at the end of Just Let Go, the Nick death and the reveal of Brian standing behind Dexter. At number three, two words, hammer time. <laughs> Definitely one of the funniest moments of the season, and it was one of the highlights of what I thought was a terrific first episode this season. It was really great entertainment. We talked about some of its shortcomings, but it had a great kill of the week. It had plenty of humour, Some, a lot of the dark humour that we, that we grew to love Dexter for back in the early days. It was a real return to form. Unfortunately, that level wasn't sustained through the rest of the season. But hammer time, Dexter doing his little dance... Harry giving the thumbs up in the background. Great moment. At number two, it was the reveal that Lewis was the new owner of the ice truck killer prosthetic hand. And at number one, of course, like you guys, it was the oh god moment. Oh boy. <laughs> a highlight of the series. A turning point for the series. And without doubt, a highlight of the season. So... They were my top five nominations. Thank you, everyone who took the time to email, tweet, phone, or post on Facebook with your nominations. 
obviously I couldn't have done this without you. It wouldn't have been the same if I'd just gone through and picked out my own highlights. So thanks very much. Next time on Dissecting Dexter. Well, while there's obviously no forthcoming episode of Dexter to preview, there is a forthcoming episode of Dissecting Dexter to preview. (laughs) I'm, of course, going back to the season two rewatches. We're up to... Well, the next episode will be episode four of season two. Of course, there's some great stuff to enjoy in season two. The whole Lila storyline, the... Dokes, Discovery, and what happens with all that. Of course, Dokes, one of my favourite characters from Dexter, and it's great reliving some of those fantastic confrontation scenes and scenes of antagonism between Dokes and Dexter. I really miss him. Bring him back. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. <laughs> We've had enough returns. I think uh, I think Harry will do just fine, thank you. So those of you who have been listening to the podcast, maybe picked it up recently because you've enjoyed season six as it was airing and wanted to seek out a podcast uh, to hear what other people thought about the season. I hope you'll maybe stick with me. Stay subscribed between now and September. Of course, I will be podcasting week to week when season seven airs in September. But between now and then, I hope you'll stick with us and enjoy going back and reliving some of the great stuff from season two. Harry can't save you now, but you could email the podcast. DissectingDexter at gmail.com So that's it. That's season six. Done, dusted, and in the can. Some of you might say it needs to be flushed down the can, but <laughs> honestly, while it certainly was, will probably go down as the weakest season of Dexter to date, it wasn't without its high points as we've talked about today, some of the highlights that we all enjoyed. And of course, that final fantastic five seconds. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so before I close out, just while I've been recording over the last couple of days, some a little tidbit of news has, has come to light. Michael C. Hall did an interview with the New Zealand Herald. And in that interview, he said that it's pretty much confirmed that season eight will be the end of Dexter, which we kind of thought that would probably be the case anyway. But Showtime president David Nevins had been on record saying that while the show has been extended to season eight, that doesn't necessarily mean it'll be the end. And one or two of the writers have said that they're not writing for the end just yet, which kind of concerned me to say the least but luckily it sounds like Michael C. Hall has no interest in continuing Dexter beyond season eight and of course he is a producer so he does have influence and (laughs) hell he's the star of the show so if he walks (laughs) then there is no show so yeah so hopefully that's where we stand and we know where we stand the writers know where they stand and we can plan now let's just get our heads down (laughs) or writers you get your heads down (laughs) from February the 1st and start planning for the end and plan it well and give us a send-off that the show deserves.
So whether you stick with me or not, I'll say thank you very much, all of you who've been supporting the show, downloading, sending in your feedback, leaving me iTunes reviews and so on. Very much appreciated. So yeah, thanks very much everybody, and until we reconvene, hopefully very soon, to dissect some more Dexter, I'll say thank you very much for listening. Take care guys, bye for now. Thank you.